Welcome to another episode of How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Thanks for joining me on my quest to interview the very best dungeon masters on this plane of existence. Quick reminder, if you haven't subscribed, make sure to go do that now so you don't miss an episode. And if you use Apple Podcasts, leave me a rating and review. Thanks. This week's guest is Brian, co-founder of Alex Water and co-host, co-GM, and co-founder of the TTRPG Variety Podcast, Two Weeks, One Shot. Brian has tons of experience playing games you love and games you've never heard of. We talk about some of his favorite non-D&D mechanics, as well as how he got into TTRPGs and some of his favorite moments running the game. Enjoy! I started playing when I was about 10 years old. I was introduced by my older brother who had been playing games with some people he knew and you know he was talking to me about it and it sounded really fun. And then from that, my mom actually had played D&D way back in the 80s. Yeah. She hadn't really touched the game basically the entire time I was alive at least. I ended up getting the uh, third edition. I, I had the original 3.0 player's handbook and then I got the third edition sort of starter set for a birthday. Uh, and that was what kicked it all off. And from there, you know, 3.5, 4A into fourth edition, and then over to Pathfinder, and now back to 5E, and tons of other stuff on the side. Definitely a big part of what I do and what I enjoy doing. Awesome. So you started pretty young. At what point did you take the move back behind the screen and start running your own games? Honestly, almost immediately. Uh, it was a it was a very early thing because like my older brother, when I was playing with him, he was obviously more experienced. So he ran some games for me and, you know, showed me the ropes, got me to learn some of the rules. And then when I got the starter set, the starter box for, you know, my birthday, my family, you know, they got it for me and they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll do this. But I was really the one who was the most into the idea of it. So I mm -hmm. pretty quickly became the one more like, all right, I'll I'll be the dungeon master. And I started doing that. And I really enjoyed it because I had always grown up liking, you know, telling stories and doing things in that vein. And being a dungeon master feels like a perfect natural fit for that when you move into the hobby of, you know, being able to be not necessarily the one in charge of the story, but definitely the one sort of with the biggest hand in shaping it. You mentioned you've played just about every version of D&D &D and including Pathfinder since 3.0, but what about other tabletops? We'll get into kind of like the, the ones you played on the podcast, but yeah, what other tabletops have you played and run specifically? Uh, a lot. <laughs> um, I, I definitely am a big fan of, you know, poking around, seeing if I can find any info on, you know, big name games. So I've poked around and done some stuff with like the Warhammer 40k series I've done a lot of World of Darkness type stuff, different, you know, versions of that, other White Wolf games, Exalted and Scion. I've done Call of Cthulhu and, you know, some other stuff in that vein. Uh, I've done a few of the old school Renaissance type stuff. Um, so there's there's a lot of different games. I really like exploring all of the different systems that are out there uh, and and seeing, you know, what do they do? How do they do things differently? What ideas are each of these games bringing because for all of these games to exist and have people playing them, they have to be doing different things. Otherwise we'd all be playing the same games. And so yeah. it's really neat to me 
to see how all these different games, you know, they have a concept in mind of this is the genre, this is the setting, this is the kind of game that this is built for. And then getting to look at, you know, how does the system support that? How does this game do that? And there's a lot of really, really interesting games out there that do very, very interesting things. So you played a lot of them. Have you taken a crack at designing your own game? And if not, if you were to, what pieces or influences would you kind of cobble together to create the game? I have played around with the idea. Uh, it's definitely one of those sort of pipe dream kind of things. Um, I end up mostly limiting myself to a lot of uh, homebrew and house ruling for you know existing systems, just altering them slightly. But I think one of the most interesting ideas that I think I've ever seen in a role-playing game is I know it's not from this one originally, but there's a game called Dogs in the Vineyard that's like this really weird, offbeat, cool indie RPG. And one of the neatest things that game does is that instead of rolling for like individual actions, you're rolling for a scene. And the dice that you're using are coming from the traits that your character has and the equipment they have, but they only get rolled once for the entire scene. And then you're just sort of, you know, pitting the dice against whatever the opposition is. And it's this really neat way of handling the narrative of the game as a very fluid experience where rather than, you know, rolling every time you attack someone, rolling the die again and again and again, you're rolling it once and you're rolling a whole bunch of them and then using those dice strategically to explain how the scene is playing out instead of going action by action. Oh, so for instance, you, you roll a bunch of the dice and then if you've got a few, I don't know if it's like high versus low, but if you've got a few high ones, you've got to see if you want to wait and hold those to use later versus now, that kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. You want to consider you know, what dice you're using when, and it's a game that also really encourages accepting and you know using failure. So accepting that you know sometimes you're going to put forward low dice and suffer. And your character grows from that. That's one of the key ways that characters gain experience, which is really neat hmm. too. Yeah, I, I've never heard of it. Dogs in the Vineyard. You Dogs said it was in the called? Vineyard. It's like totally out of print, barely even mm. exists anymore. But it's a really mm. interesting idea. And like I said, I in the book itself, the author talks about how that idea doesn't come from that game. It's not original. It's from a different game. I forget the name that he cites in there. But that's the best example that I know of and that I've played around with. Uh, and it's a, a really, really neat take on how dice shape a scene. Cool. So you said that you kind of like immediately made the switch to being behind the screen when you got that starter set uh, as a kid. Do you remember the first game you ran at all? Uh, more or less, yeah. Uh, it was definitely yeah. really messy because it was with that starter set. And so it was the uh, it's the it was the third edition starter set. And it was honestly the adventure that came with that is one of my favorites uh, for like modules for getting people into the game because it's a very sort of campy classic. You know, the town is being attacked by monsters and you've been hired by the mayor to go into the ruins and stop them. And that's the whole thing. Like, it starts with you already there. What's it called? Uh, God, I, I don't, I don't think it even has an official name. Uh, it was just the adventure from the third edition starter set. It's the one I can, I can describe it for you. The box is the one it's got, uh, like the, the, the splash art on the box is a blue dragon and uh, which is the overall villain for the adventure spoilers for a third edition starter module. But 
that's the it's like a blue dragon and you've got the different characters that come with it for people to play they're very sort of toned down simplified versions of the third edition mechanics but it's a really really neat it was a re it was a really neat box and it was a really neat way to start learning okay you know here's how the game works here's how the rules do things and it also did i think a pretty good job of encouraging players to you know, role play a little bit. It's obviously designed for people who've never really played the game before or played RPGs in general, but it has some good chances for players to, you know, play around. It's got a lot of, uh, you know, descriptions for what the monsters would sound like and what they're saying. So the dungeon master can ham it up and do fun voices and things like that. Um, and I remember it was just a really, really cool, fun time getting to go through that with my family of, you know, some of them getting more into it than others, but definitely yeah. seeing that sort of unfold of, you know, wow, this really is this cooperative storytelling game experience of, you know, I'm controlling these monsters and having them do their thing, but the players are trying to conquer them and I want them to, I don't want them to lose. I want them to have a dramatic experience in their victory. Cool. Yeah. That, that sounds like fun. I, I just, Googled it really quick and I couldn't find a name either. It must not have a name. So I don't you're think right. it was named. I think it was just like, ah, here's an adventure. Uh, and it was. Yeah, it says there's like a blue you know, one and a black one, and it's called Dungeons and Dragons Basic Game. Good memory. So you've been behind the screen off and on then for 15 years. So you've got to have some good ones here. What are some of the worst mistakes you've made as a DM or a GM? So system agnostic. And what lessons can we take away from these mistakes? Probably the worst mistakes I've ever made are when a few times, especially very early on when I was figuring out, you know, what is this all about, right? How do role-playing games work? What makes them different from other things? When I was younger, and I think I'm still guilty of this to some extent, although I try to keep it in the background or, you know, focus on other parts. But a lot of the time when you're a GM, I think it's easy to get caught up in like, you have a story, right? You have a story you want to tell, you have a story idea that you want to work with. And you have this really cool vision for this awesome campaign in your head. And you're, you know, writing everything up or you're doing prep or you're, you know, maybe not even prepping and you're just so excited for it. This is this awesome story that's going to unfold and you take it to the players and the players don't do what you expected them to do. Uh, and that happened. I think that's something everyone who has ever sat behind the screen is aware of, right? Like the players are not going to do what you expected. They're not necessarily going to do what you wanted them to do. They're going to run rampant all over everything that you had planned and go directly for the things that you didn't have planned. And when I was younger, I think I definitely suffered from effects of, you know, wanting to really have the game go the way I wanted it to go. Right. Like I have this good story idea. I want them to do this thing. They do A and then B and then C. And if they start doing X, Y, and Z instead, I know when I was you know, starting out as a GM, that was something I really struggled with, was accepting that you're not going to just tell the story you want to tell because there are two or three or seven other people at the table wanting to tell their own stories. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. This is a very common thing. And I know that when I ran my first session, it was the exact same thing, right? We'd been playing a pre-written module for a little bit. And I said, oh yeah, I could do this. 
So I went and proceeded to write out, you know, exact story points that we were going to hit. And then the first session I ran, they they totally take a left turn that I was not expecting. And I I wasn't ready for it. So it, it happened to everybody, right? Oh, it, yeah. Whoever started, that's that's exactly how it goes. Yeah, that's absolutely, I think, probably the most universal experience that game masters have is there's always going to be, usually within the first couple of sessions of any campaign, the moment where you you kind of have to sit back and be like, uh, well, uh, what do I do? You know, the players have totally gone off track of anything that I thought they would accomplish. And now I need to make a decision. Am I going to roll with it and just figure it out from here? Am I going to try and get them back on track? What, am, what, what are my options? And that's one of those moments where you just kind of have to figure it out for yourself. Yeah, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but in your show that, that you run with your friends, since you each kind of take turns running a one-shot in a different system, there's always the kind of the, the follow-up recap episode that you do and and you get to talk about all the plot points that the players missed because they just didn't <laughs> didn't think to oh, look yeah. through those things and, so and it's happened every every session we've had so far and yep. every session that we are going to have in the future probably we'll have tons yeah. of those moments so funny again this question is system agnostic but what are some of your favorite monsters or NPCs or encounters you've thrown at your players that really challenge them? I think my favorite ones are always the ones that are like memorable for some reason, uh, whether it's because they're just so unusual uh, and they sort of capture your attention or the ones that are like really interesting and dramatically important. So some of my favorites include I know, I think I brought this up uh, with one of your Twitter questions at one point, but one of my favorite NPCs I ever ran was one who I designed to be intentionally suspicious, but not malicious, which was mm -hmm. a lot of fun to try and toe that line because I'm sure you know, and I'm sure everyone listening knows, players tend to be very trigger happy when it comes to NPCs that they don't trust uh, immediately. If they have any suspicion that an NPC might be evil or harm them or cause trouble, a lot of players are very quick to decide that they will cause trouble and uh, preemptively strike that NPC instead of, you know, <laughs> waiting to see what happens, right? Um, yep. <laughs> so I, I wanted this character to be one where he would be, like, very sort of on that edge of making the players not uncomfortable, but very wary of their dealings with him. But the whole time I very much wanted to keep in my mind that like, this is actually a character who is totally normal and totally fine. He doesn't have anything against them. He's not going to attack them. He is going to be an ally if they don't, you know, mess up and make him an enemy. And it was a lot of fun to do that. And I think my players definitely remembered that character very well too uh to the point that this was during a game that i was running in college and you know he had given them a fetch quest to deliver a letter and like weeks and weeks and weeks of real-time gameplay later they you know had delivered the letter and everything and they realized like oh we should go back and talk to him and like get our reward but also see how he's doing and like see what's going on and that was a really neat moment to sort of witness, you know, oh, okay, cool. This really is an NPC that is sticking with them. 
So they didn't murder him. No, they didn't end up. Uh, ultimately, they didn't end up uh, thinking that he was a bad guy. They realized that he was harmless at the end of the day. And it also helped <laughs> that it was a game uh, where it was a post-apocalyptic game and he was like the town doctor. So he was basically the only person that they could go to at that time for, you know, being patched up for any wounds or anything that they had. So that also helped. They, they were kind of in the position of maybe we shouldn't kill this guy. (laughs) (laughs) And now a word from our sponsor. If you've been thinking about getting into the podcasting game, but don't have a large budget or a ton of industry expertise already, Anchor.fm is a great place to get started. Why use Anchor? It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. And you can start monetizing your show immediately with no minimum audience size or reach. Anchor really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Let's get back to the show. All right, let's switch gears then. We've alluded to it before, but you are part of the podcast Two Weeks, One Shot. Um, And I guess that's where I'm most familiar with your work. You're in a couple of other uh, um, projects that we can talk about too, but Two Weeks, One Shot. Tell us about the concept. Tell us about how it came to be, you know, how you all met each other and, and decided that this was going to be what you're working on and then maybe talk a little bit about what you want to accomplish with it. Yeah. So the idea behind two weeks, one shot is that we wanted to do a tabletop RPG variety podcast and we wanted to do it in a slightly different way than a lot of other, you know, live play podcasts out there. Cause most of those are going to be, you know, you sit down and you're doing a long campaign. You're, you're doing Uh, a very full story with the same characters week after week. And that's really awesome. And that's really cool. And there's a lot of them out there. And that's why we were thinking, you know, we we don't necessarily want to try to do that. We want to have something a little more unique going on for us. And one of the things we can do that with is the fact that the four core members of the group, we all come from pretty different backgrounds in terms of how we got into gaming, how long we've been doing it, what games we're familiar with. And we realized that was a great opportunity for we can do one shots and we can do little, you know, mini adventures in a bunch of different games to highlight the ideas of those games. And, you know, what game is this? What's the genre? What's the setting? How does it work? What are the rules? And here's a game where we, you know, play around with that. Here's some characters that would be in this game world and things like that. And it was just this really neat idea that I think had been sort of bouncing around in a couple people's heads for a while. And we ended up linking up with each other. I met Alex and Harold through John, who is a friend of mine from way back in high school. And then he had moved away, met them and you know, just sort of through mutual hobbies and interests, we all got to know each other and brought up, you know, this idea of what if we do a podcast? What if we actually make this happen? And so we sat down, we figured out, you know, some rough ideas of what we wanted to do with it. We settled on the name. uh, And part of that was the idea of, you know, let's, let's aim for two weeks. And that way it's something where, you know, we, we commit to this, but we don't commit to something that we're going to burn out on. And I think that was a huge thing that 
I think a lot of people who are, you know, thinking about doing D and D in general, or, you know, role-playing games on the tabletop in general, as well as if you're considering doing a podcast or anything, you know, limiting yourself with how much you're going to throw into it, I think is a really yep. wise thing. And it has really enabled us to do this and start working on it and, you know, do the games, edit, start releasing episodes. And it's been going miles and miles better than any of us expected it to. Honestly, the feedback we've gotten and, and the sport we've gotten is absolutely astounding. And we're, we're thrilled to be here and we're thrilled to, you know, hopefully see it keep going. We've got a lot of really fun sessions and games in the works. We've got a lot of different ideas of where things are going to go, where we've been sort of planning down the line a little bit for some different thematic stuff that we might be doing. So definitely lots to come, but we're just super excited about how far we've gotten already. Honestly, when I found the show, I think it was just because I had started my podcast around the same time and I was just kind of looking for for people who were doing similar things. And so I stumbled upon it and I was listening to it while I was grocery shopping and I like I had my headphones on and I think I was just laughing out loud and people were probably <laughs> staring at me as I was listening to the first episode. Uh, so it was super funny and a lot of fun. And I, not not to say that it's just like all goofy, but you know, you guys kind of mix the the humor with whatever thematic elements the, the particular game is. And, and I think you're doing a great job. I know you've kind of rotated like the first episodes had a few more cast members than the subsequent ones, but I guess that's kind of the nice part of these little self-contained one-shot games is if in the future you want or, or you need flexibility, then, you know, not all of you have to be there all the time, right? Oh yeah, that's definitely something that is really helpful with, you know, one-shots being these very self-contained adventures. It means that you we are really able to have that sort of rotating cast as needed, rotating co-hosts, uh, rotating guests, different people involved in different adventures. And I think that's something that has also been really helpful in the process of, you know, getting the show going and in terms of just playing the games, because it means that we can, you know, really focus on the game and the story at hand and not have to worry about, you know, okay, well, we have to plan around, you know, this person's not going to be here for a whole month. So we need to have something for their character to be doing and everything. We sort of get to skip over that part, which is pretty helpful. Yeah. My least favorite part about being a DM is trying to explain why people aren't there. Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely, <laughs> it. it's definitely the continual struggle. And I always am in the position of, you know, wanting to come up with something to do that. Cause the only thing I hate more than doing that is like having to try and play someone's character for them. And it never works. Yep. yep. So do you do um, the one shots at one time, like record three hours worth, and then you just kind of edit and split them apart for the subsequent, I guess it's four, well, six weeks? Pretty much, yeah. We pretty much try to, uh, you know, plan out, all right, we're going to get together, we're going to do this one shot, we sit down, and we play. And, you know, admittedly, uh, sometimes we end up having to, you know, something comes up, and we have to sort of, you know, all right, we'll put this on hold, we'll finish it up later. But all of our one-shot adventures have been like one-shot adventures. If we, even if we're not necessarily, you know, sitting down in one night and doing them, they're all adventures that take place over the course of four or five hours of playing, uh, which means yeah. that they really are that sort of very focused narrative of we're just getting a slice of this game and seeing what we can do with it. What's been the hardest part of starting a show mid-pandemic? 
all of you are kind of split across the country, right? So it's not necessarily a problem of being able to meet together, but what have some of the other issues been? Yeah, I think the biggest thing has just been like scheduling, uh, which I know is something that everyone has been impacted by. And I'm sure any, you know, in-person groups, definitely, even with, you know, once you get to the point where, okay, it's safe for us to be meeting in person again, scheduling is going to be difficult because a lot of people's, you know, jobs got shaken up. A lot of people's work weeks and regular hours and things like that got shaken up. And it's definitely something that's been tricky to coordinate around with, you know, everybody has their own lives. Everybody has their own other things that they're doing. So finding the time that we can to, you know, all get together and do something can be a little difficult at times. But overall, I think it hasn't been too, too hard. So you've used three different systems so far. There are three different uh, one shots. You've used Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition, Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, Deadlands, and then the third one, this most recent one was Call of Cthulhu. Can you tell us what systems you're going to be using on your next few one shots? Yeah, we've got one more on the way. I think it should be airing just next week. And I, I got the I got the go ahead to let you know that we're going to be doing Vampire the Requiem, second edition, oh, uh, which okay. is a very, very interesting time. It's a very sort of niche game in terms of its like tone and what it's going for. But it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I think we had a lot of fun with it. And I hope everyone will enjoy us sort of giving it the same treatment as we've given the others of playing the game and trying to be sort of faithful to, you know, what the actual intended tone is while also bringing in a lot of our sort of comedic silliness and general fun to the game. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're, we're kind of winding down to the end here, Brian, it's been a lot of fun. Um, but what are some of your parting words of wisdom and encouragement for new and aspiring DMs and GMs out there? I think the biggest advice I can offer is to always keep in mind that at the end of the day, you're playing a role-playing game. And what that means is that there's the two parts to that. There's the role-playing and there's the game. And you want to, you really want to work with both and you don't want to necessarily sacrifice one for the other. So, you know, the role-playing is the playing of characters and the storytelling aspect and the fact that you are, you know, trying to, do that with a bunch of people. It really is sort of that collaborative oral storytelling experience where people are taking on characters and the game master is, you know, sort of governing some of the world rules and the, you know, extra cast members of the story and having that all work together. And you're trying to make that happen and make this really fun story and, and make it engaging and make it, worthwhile for everyone involved but at the same time you're also playing a game and the game aspect is you know both in terms of the you know rolling of dice and rules and all that but less worrying about that and more about just having fun with it and remembering that you know you're all working together to make this happen and you should be enjoying yourselves the whole time and if you're ever once you know playing and thinking to yourself you know ah this is I'm just, this is rough. I'm, this isn't enjoyable. We're not having a good time with this. The, you know, maybe the story is happening, but uh, no one's, no one's really liking where the story's going. Change it. You can, you can always do that. And as the GM, you have the most power and the biggest ability to do that for the players. Great advice. All right. 
two weeks one shot like i said is the podcast i know you best from but tell us where we can find you and your work yeah i mean along with two's cast probably the best place to find me is on twitch uh it's just helix missionary is my username there that's what i go by and that's somewhere where uh for role-playing games uh i'm currently involved in uh a weekly it's actually a pair of campaigns that are sort of tied together. They're in the same homebrew setting that myself and the other DM have worked on, uh, but it's a pair of games uh, called The Four Cs, and it's using D&D 5th Edition with some house rules and third-party options and things like that. But uh, that's the core system, and it's this really fantastic, fun, sort of different campaign that we're doing where it's, it's very sort of uh, naval-based and... Uh, piratey themed uh, to some extent and set in a slightly you know later period historically so to speak than a lot of D&D games are so I think that's something that's uh, potentially really interesting and people can stop by and have fun with that we both have things set up for uh, interaction from people in the audience so you can you know use channel points or tip or you know do anything that Twitch has integration for uh, you can do things like give advantage to players, give disadvantage, uh, give inspiration, you know, be part of the action, which is a lot of fun. And that happens typically on Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern U.S. time is when I'm running my game. And then the game linked to mine happens on Thursdays at about 9.30 p.m. All right. I'll make sure to get the schedules from you and the links so that I can post them in the episode notes. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Brian. Like I said... A real fan of your show. It's been a lot of fun to listen to, and I've learned a lot about other systems that I haven't played before. And so it's it's been good to get to know other systems, get to know other ideas, and also see you guys have fun. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to How Not to DM. A couple of quick announcements and then we'll get to our latest war story. If you have any questions for my past guests, go ahead and join my Discord server and you can ask them. Get 10% off your next dice order from adventuredice.ca if you use my code HN, the number 2DM, at checkout. Links to Adventure Dice and my Discord server are both in my link tree, which is on most platforms. Also, recently I've delved into DD TikTok. If you have an account, follow me. My handle is at HN, the number 2, DM. Special thanks to at Bardic underscore inspo for being the first one to follow me there. Now let's delve into this week's DM War story. This story comes from my pal Luna. I was running a Pathfinder game at a local store and about halfway through a teenage boy joined. When he was introduced, he described his character as dark and edgy and brooding in a corner. Doesn't approach the party. Yeah, he was that kind of player. He also followed the party around without ever trying to talk to them didn't engage in conversation with PCs or NPCs, and reluctantly followed plot hooks. The party decided to not split the reward with him because all he did was follow the group around without ever becoming part of it, and didn't help on a quest with a very large reward. I decided that that was their decision so I wouldn't interfere, but I had a talk with him afterwards. I asked him if he really wanted to be playing my game, and he said yes. I asked him why he didn't act like he wanted to, he just shrugged. I told him that he needed to actually engage if he wanted to play, and then I have a two-strike system, and he was on strike one. To his credit, he did improve, but it lasted for about two sessions, and then he started to slip back into his previous attitude again. The final straw was during a large combat encounter. I was managing about a dozen individual creatures for four hours, so my attention was completely on the fight. 
I didn't know what was going on across the table until my friend, another player, talked to me. He said they were next to each other, and the whole session this kid was talking to him about how powerful he was and how angry he was that not enough people were paying attention. I fretted about it for days before I worked up the courage to ask the kid to leave my game. I told him over private message. Instead of replying back to me, he went to the game group chat and asked the other players to vote on if he had to leave or not. I was furious. I told him no. I already asked him to leave my table. Please do so. I never saw him again. If I had a player act like this again, I would talk to them as soon as I noticed that kind of behavior. So let this be a lesson to the other DMs out there. Yeah, that's a great story, Luna. Thanks for sharing it. It's really hard to do this when you're playing at a game store like you were, but I know that the importance of session zeros can be overstated. If you're all on the same page, then you know that you're going to play a game that everyone enjoys. And hopefully there's a game out there for teen edgelords who want to play too, right? So make sure that you're all on the same page at the beginning. And if you can't, just try to let them down gently like Luna did here. Thanks a bunch for sharing that story. And if any other listeners out there have a war story, good or bad, from behind the screen, there's a link in my link tree where you can submit your very own war story. And my favorites will make it on my next episode. As always, my intro and outro music is by my good friend Torin. And until next week, roll some Nat 20s for me.